We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions As an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. The family is one of nature's masterpieces. George Santayana. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Katie Chu and today's theme is the gift of family. And I'm Jovan Hundle. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and give more information about how you, too, can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be The Star You Are needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Please donate today at www.bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no fees. So today we'll be beginning with a chapter about family from the forthcoming book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. This chapter, called The Gift of Family, is written by one of our very own, Asia Gonzalez. Asia is a sophomore in college pursuing a communications degree. She enjoys anything that involves creating art, painting, and drawing being her passions. Being on the radio as, ho- as a host of Express Herself in her early teen years gave her a love for broadcasting and public speaking, so much so that she decided that it would be a great adventure to become a host for her own show and hopefully a DJ for her favorite station in California. With that, let's jump straight into the chapter. So this is The Gift of Family by Asia Gonzalez. Some of my earliest family memories consist of long drives in our family car. With my two brothers on each side and my parents in front, There would be music playing, snacks flying, and fun conversations throughout the entire journey. There was also an hour-long period of silence while everyone but my dad and I slept. Usually we would find cool stops along the way and places to explore. These road trips were yearly, traveling from Arizona to California back and forth. We would take a trip during the summer and for Thanksgiving and Christmas. I always enjoyed those six-hour drives with my family. Some people wondered how five people stuck in a car together for six hours could be fun. How did we not kill each other or jump out of a moving vehicle? To me, it was easy. As a super loving and close-knit family, we enjoyed being around each other, especially my brothers and me. We were always together growing up. We played together, went to school together, and formed our own clique. We even had small campouts in our rooms with homemade tents and flashlights. One day, our bus driver started calling us the Gonzalez Gang, and the nickname quickly caught on with everyone else. My brothers and I are inseparable, which some people find odd, but not me. 
My relationship with my brothers is priceless and precious. Sibling relationships are one of the most important relationships one can have growing up because of the special bond that is formed. This relationship shapes you as an individual as you grow older. Siblings can offer honest feedback and criticism that no one else would dare give you. Having a sibling helps you deal with conflict and differences in personalities because siblings fight a lot. Fighting is natural between siblings. It's normal to have disagreements when so much time is spent together. With 16 years of experience living with my brothers, I've learned that it is best to walk away from an argument that is unwinnable. Choose your battles and always apologize when in the wrong. It makes you the bigger person. Although my family and I are really close, we have had our fair share of bumps in the road. Because we have been separated a few times, we had to learn to love and respect one another the hard way. Everyone in my family has made a mistake that affected the family dynamic. Since the specifics are private, I won't explain, but we have learned to forgive one another and work through our differences. Our family is living proof that sometimes challenges can strengthen relationships. My family moved around a lot when I was younger. I'd make friends and then lose friends. But the worst part was leaving California where our closest relatives lived. Finances permitting, we only get to see our extended family a couple times a year. Because of this separation, our family has developed a stronger bond. We value the time we get to spend together when we visit California, and we make fo- phone calls to stay connected. Being separated help us, helps us appreciate the time we get to spend with one another even more. What I want to stress to everyone is this. Family is everything. You may not get to choose who your family members are, but you can choose your family dynamic. You can choose how you treat your family. I understand that it may be hard when you and a family member don't get along. However, there is always something you can do to work through the differences. You can decide how you form relationships with your family, who cares so much about you, even though it may not always feel like it. It is important to understand we are all human. We make mistakes. Everyone has problems, and not everyone will get along 100% of the time. Appreciate your family for who they are. Be thankful for the family that you have in front of you because you never know what might happen to yours. Always show love, especially for your siblings. Although it may not be obvious, your siblings look up to you even if you're younger. Show your siblings how much you appreciate your entire family so they can learn that valuable lesson as well. And now in addition to this chapter, Asia has included a small little exercise called Family Forever. I've learned a lot from being in a family of five. Everyone has completely different personalities and needs, no matter how similar you may seem. Everyone handles conflict differently, and no one has the same way of communicating. The hardest part about communicating with family is paying attention to how you say things and expressing gratitude. Expressing gratitude towards family members is one of the best ways to show appreciation. Here are some ways you can make sure your family members know you are grateful. Firstly, write a heartfelt letter to each person. Even in the digital age of texting and email, everyone loves a nice, handwritten letter of gratitude. Next, take on a family member's chores around the house. I've cleaned my younger brother's room. Yes, it was gross, but they really appreciated it. Thirdly, pay for some bills or go grocery shopping for your family. Fourth, cook your family a nice dinner. This one is my favorite thing to do for my family because it allows my family to relax and not have to worry about who is making what. I enjoy planning and cooking a delicious meal, and they enjoy eating it. Fifth, take them out and spend some time together. My mom and I love going to see movies together and eating our favorite candies, red vines and lemon heads. And lastly, just tell them you appreciate what they do for you. A direct thank you is always great to hear. Your family will always love to know how much you love and appreciate them. 
I encourage you to use some of these ways to show them how grateful you are that you are part of your family unit. In this technological age, we are always you, we are always busy. I truly understand because I'm known as Miss Busy Bee, but I try my hardest to show appreciation towards my family as much as I can. I know you'll benefit from showing your love as well. Family is forever. And now we have a quote by Michael J. Fox. Family is not an important thing. It is everything. So that was an amazing chapter by Aisha. It really kind of went into how important family is to us and that showing our appreciation can be a huge part of our lives and how much how much the our family knows that we love them. And I think, you know, these days I as a senior have been going through the college process and I went through it with a couple of my friends. And something that kind of touched me was I was watching a friend open one of her, you know, one of her letters and she immediately got a call from her brother. Now usually it's the parents who call to figure out whether you got in or not, but I was surprised that her brother would be the one to, you know, check in and her brother's far away at college, but he called the moment the results came out to check in with her. And I thought that was, you know, pretty amazing to see just how strong their sibling bond was. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely interesting because like how you were saying, that's not what we typically expect. We typically expect the parents and especially right. if the brother is so far away and he's still taking the time to number one, find out when the decision's coming out. And then number two, call his sister right when it happens. So this is an interesting little dynamic there. And I think something that was really interesting and popped out to me while reading this chapter is that I, I consider my family to be, you know, just as close to each other as Asia's family was in this chapter, but it's a totally different dynamic going on. So we're not, we're not maybe like outwardly affectionate. Uh, we tease each other a lot. We're, we might not seem to be super closely knit, but we definitely are. And so I think it's interesting to talk about like about how these family dynamics may differ from each other, like whether it's the sibling calling, whether it's the parents calling, all these sorts of things. But at the end of the day, we're all still, we're, we're family and we all have different familial bonds. Right. I definitely agree that, you know, families kind of differ. Like for me and my brother, my brother is six years younger than me. So I ended up taking a lot more, you could say, motherly role than props a kind of strange sisterly role. I often, you know, put him to bed. I help him out with things. I check that he's done his homework. And, you know, I know a lot of other families who have the same age gap, but they have a much more, you know, sisterly, brotherly-like relationship than, you know, kind of someone who's taking care and overseeing, you know, their younger brother or sister. And I just, I definitely agree with you that families differ across an entire range of, different dynamics definitely and then you know another thing that I think is interesting to talk about with this whole familial bond especially as you said your senior in college is soon approaching is that you know just kind of living with a family that's you know always helping each other so in ages activity it talked about you know cooking for each other cleaning rooms and all that sort of things so it's kind of like helping each other and that sort of relationship that you can have with your family. It really does prepare you then, I think, for when you're living with your college roommates. And so right. you're kind of helping each other out. You're doing all that sort of thing with these people that, you know, you're just barely meeting for the first time. So I think living yeah. with a family that's always about helping each other, I think it's a great way to kind of prepare for getting into that college dorm mindset. 
No, I definitely agree there is a difference between you know, living alone and living with your family because when you're living around other people, you have to consider what their, you know, what their preferences are. And especially going into college, you know, you kind of, these days I've been learning a lot from my mom, you know, how to cook a little more, do laundry, that kind of stuff, because I know I'm going off into a different space without my family, but I'm still going to be living with another person. So I have to re- be responsible for myself, but also be able to be a great roommate, roommate to whoever I'm with. But, you know, it's just family is always, you know, should be one of our greatest priorities. Family is amazing and we should be thankful. But unfortunately, we're running out of time. Thank you so much, Joven, for this wonderful discussion. Listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. We have lots of fun events coming up, so check out www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. A shout out of gratitude to Michael Verbrugge Construction, who is sponsoring our booth at the Moraga Fair. I'm Katie Chu. And I'm Jovan Hundel. Be the star you are founder and Express Yourself producer Cynthia Bryan have just authored a brand new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. It's now available at www.cynthiabryan.com slash online hyphen store. And 25% of the proceeds from this book actually benefit Be the Star You Are and Express Yourself. Also make sure to watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. And make sure to keep listening as we discuss the gift of family. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring program. I'm Jovan Hundle, and you are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, which is brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. Today's show is centered around the gift of family. And I'm Katie Chu. On the show with us today in in this segment is an incredible guest, author Dorothea Jensen. Dorothea Jensen was born in Boston, but she grew up in Chillicothe, Illinois, the same little town where Johnston McCauley, the writer who created Zorro, grew up many years earlier. She majored in English literature at Carleton College and earned a master's degree at the University of New Mexico. She served as a Peace Corps volunteer in South America, tutored refugees in ESL, taught junior high and high school English, and written grant proposals for art organization. She performed light opera for a number of years in Philadelphia and in Minneapolis and has 
as an author, has written a bus from Lafayette, The Riddle of Pencroft Farm, and Santa's Santa's Izzy Elves series. We're extremely excited to have her here today and are looking forward to learning more about her work. Hi, Dorothea. Hello. <laughs> it's um, we're really grateful to have you here and really excited to, you know, kind of learn about the books you've written and just learn about your work. So just to jump straight in, I have this first question for you. Why do you write historical fiction? Well, uh, first of all, I write it because it was my favorite kind of book when I was a young girl. <laughs> and I there were books I really loved, like... Um, the Witch of Blackbird Pond and all the Laura Ingalls Wilder books and so forth. And and so when I just started writing, I decided I wanted to write a book that would that kids would love and it would really hook them on history the way I was when I was young. And also, it brings... Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that historical fiction can really bring history to life in the classroom and or not in the classroom, just whenever a kid reads a historical fiction novel, they, it can hook them on history, which is my point. <laughs> so that's definitely. it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm done. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like reading historical fiction novels personally when I was younger, it really sparked a love of history for me as well. And so I wanted to ask you then, how exactly does your writing process change then if you're writing historical fiction versus any other genre? Well, uh, the biggest difference, of course, is the obvious one that I have to do tons and tons and let's face it years and years of research because <laughs> when you're building when you're making a historical fiction novel you it's sort of like creating a virtual reality uh, so that you you paint a picture you you have to know if when your characters look around their kitchen what are they going to see what are they going to eat how do they cook their food what are their schools like you know that kind of thing so that so that uh, you can sort of look around and you will see something that's 150 years old, basically. So I consider it a virtual reality, not unlike those things you put on your eyes and you can look 360 <laughs> degrees. So anyway, but it takes a long, long time to do the research. I never, you know, I never really realized how much you need to know about that era, especially for historical novels. Like, you need to know whether your character is going to turn around and see this kind of building versus, you know, a building today. So you really, mm -hmm. you really do need to know everything about that time period. It's but, true. <laughs> and I have to say that uh, it was easier for me when I was younger. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm getting older and my memory isn't quite as sharp as it used to be. So I, I, I do a lot of research, but then what I have to do before I sit down and write a particular chapter, for example, is I have to look at what I need just for that chapter because I don't remember it from before. <laughs> so anyway... <laughs> Uh, my other writing is um, a rhyming Christmas poems, uh, sort of like Twas the Night Before Christmas. It's sort of that kind of rhythm. Um, mm -hmm. And I started the first one. I actually started writing it almost 30 years ago, I never, but I never published it. I just wrote it because I wanted to write it. You know? <laughs> and, um, and one thing led to another, uh, and I found that writing rhyming 
verse like that is comes very easily to me, which is a big change from writing historical well, fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand why it is that happens. I don't know. I, I just uh I just sit down and it pops into my head. In fact, my grandsons, uh, one time several years ago when they were pretty little, um, they were having a little chat about my Iziel's books. And the older one explained very seriously to the younger one that Grammy has elves who live in her head and tell her what to write. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, well... Yeah, I guess that's as good an explanation yeah. as anything else. <laughs> yeah. How else do you explain it? <laughs> right. And I also find that writing uh, several different kinds of, uh, of uh, books at the same time can be very helpful because, um, I, for example, I wrote uh, A Bus from Lafayette at the same time that I wrote Frizzy the S.A.D. Elf. Now you have to know that S.A.D. Sta- stands for Seasonal Affection Distress. This is an elf who who cuts and curls Christmas dolls' hair, and every year when Santa takes the dolls away, she gets very depressed. So she decides to change her job. Anyway, uh, so both of these books, and, and at the same time, I was living in 1825. So if I get stuck writing one kind of a book, I'd sort of pick up the other one and it would unstick me <laughs> that's I don't it worked for me I don't know if, if other people would find that effective but I definitely have the sense that I'm using two completely different parts of my brain trust me <laughs> yeah see I remember doing something similar just with like on the other end of it reading books then if I got a little um, out of it yes. with one book, I would just pick up another book and I would find myself reading like five books at a time. Yes, um, I often do that too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you then about, so your new book, A Bus from Lafayette, so where exactly yes. did you get the initial idea for this? Well, uh, <laughs> many years ago now, I went, I'm a big Jane Austen fan, okay? And I went on a Jane Austen tour in England and uh, we drove around England to every place she'd ever lived and every place she ever said a story and so forth. So we spent a lot of time in a bus. It was a great tour, by the way. <laughs> but because we rode in this bus so much, we started telling each other stories just to entertain each other uh, because we'd be in the bus for so many hours. And I always thought at the time it was a little bit like Canterbury Tales <laughs> because <laughs> we were on a pilgrimage. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was telling a story about, which is true, about when I was in eighth grade, my eighth grade teacher, who was about to retire, um, had lived as a as a very young girl in Oklahoma Territory on a claim, just like Laura Ingalls Wilder. And her... Uh, it just happened that near where she lived was where they jailed the Apache chieftain um, Geronimo when they finally caught him. Oh, wow. And her mother somehow, her mother felt that this was this man was a historic figure and a great leader of men, and she wanted her little girl to meet him. So she 
got her all dressed up, put her hair in pigtails and took her to the jail. And Geronimo put his hand through the bars and patted her on the head and said, my daughter wore her hair just like that. And then he shook her hand. Well, then my teacher shook my hand. So then I, you know, very proudly announced to the bus, well, I have shaken the hand that has shaken the hand of Geronimo. Well, after I did that, (laughs) this voice came from the front of the bus. And it was, well, what I thought at the time was an old lady. But, you know, now I'm probably the same age she was. (laughs) But and she said that her great grandmother, when she was a little girl, had been uh, uh, picked by her town to welcome Lafayette to their town. And present him with a posy, and Lafayette had kissed her on the cheek. Well, of course, the first thing I did was run up. Oh, and then and then that girl, when she grew up, uh, kissed uh, the dot. This my new friend's mother, who kissed her. So I immediately demanded she kiss me, which she did. So that I can now <laughs> say I can. I've been kissed by someone who was kissed by someone, et cetera, et cetera. But. That was the first I heard that Lafayette came back here to the United States um, in uh, 50 years after the beginning of the revolution. He was invited back by President Monroe, and he visited all of the he visited all of the 24 states. And I discovered that he actually came right by my house in New Hampshire. So I decided to write a story about that, and I came up with a a family. In, this has some problems, and there's a, t- a teenage girl, a young girl, she just is turning 14, who's okay. very bitter and resentful because her mother died a year before, and her father almost immediately married her mother's sister, and she feels that this is a betrayal of her mother. And so she is really trying to grapple with all of that. I mean, in, in addition to everything that goes into growing up, which, as we know, is not easy. She also has this, and, and, and get this, her stepmother had been a very strict school teacher in Boston, <laughs> and she keeps, making, she keeps making the girl behave like a lady, and the girl has no interest uh. with the <laughs> But anyway, um, obviously, Lafayette eventually appears on the scene, and he gives her a kiss, oh, well, I don't reveal anything, but uh, <laughs> she does get a bus. A bus is an old-fashioned word for kiss. And he gives her a kiss on the cheek, and it and that encounter with him basically changes her whole outlook, her whole life. So that's, that's how I got into it. <laughs> and uh, besides, I always thought that there are probably some Lafayette molecules floating around in front of my house. Got to catch those. I know, I know. So, and the more I read about him, the more I loved him. He was just an incredibly charming, brave, uh, seminal figure in our revolution. And if you read about him, you eventually come to really appreciate him. So, definitely. Uh, So, thank you so much, Dorothy, uh, for an incredible conversation. It's been really (laughs) fascinating getting some insight into your writing style, how you research these books, how you thought of these books. A lot of thought goes into it. It's great to get a little insight into that process. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) we are out of time for this segment, but we'll definitely be continuing our conversation in the next portion of the show. 
Audience, make sure to learn more about Dorothea and her work at www.dorothea, spelled D-O-R-O-T-H-E-A, jensen.com. And also make sure to go to www.abusfromlafayette, A-B-U-S-S from Lafayette.com. And make sure to also visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Katie Chu. If you're a fan of baseball and live in Northern California, Be The Star You Are has been chosen as a nonprofit of the night for the June 15th baseball game between the Oakland A's and the Los Angeles Angels. Tickets are tax deductible and discounted to only $32 for second tier field seats. Please visit our charity site at Be The Star You Are r.org slash events to buy your tickets today stay right here with us as we continue our discussion on the gift of family show the world your smile be the star you are If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Katie Chu, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this edition of Express Yourself, we are continuing our hour on the gift of family. And I'm Joven Hundle. Back on the show with us is author Dorothea Jensen. Dorothea was a voracious reader as a girl, so much that she read in closets to get away from noisy family. She liked to write, but didn't actually try to write anything for publication until she was in her mid-30s, almost 40 years ago. She writes things similar to books she loved when she was young, Laura Ingalls Wilder, The Witch of Blackbird Pond, Dr. Seuss Poems, and so on. She has 10 published books now, all award-winning in some way or another, and she hopes to finish at least two more in the next year or two. And to begin this next segment, here's some insight into a few of her works. A Bus from Lafayette is about a 14-year-old girl named Clara Hargraves with a few big problems. She has a new stepmother who used to be her old maid school teacher aunt, like we talked a little about in the last segment, and she has red hair, which means she is constantly teased. During the last week of June 1825, her small New Hampshire town is abuzz about the revolutionary hero Lafayette's visit to the state. With all that's happening, Clara might ju- just might find that her problems are not quite so terrible after all. Another of Dorothea's works, The Riddle of Pencroft Farm, was an international reading association teacher's choice selection and a Jeanette Fair Award winner. 
It was also a masterless selection for the William Allen White Children's Book Award, the Rebecca Caldwell Award, the Mark Twain Award, the South Carolina Children's Book Award, the Hoosier Young Readers Award, and the Sunshine State Young Readers Award. The Riddle of Pencroft Farm also won first place in the historical fiction category of the 2014 Purple Dragonfly Book Awards, 25 years after its original publication. With that awesome biography, let's welcome Dorothea back onto the show. Okay, I'm here. Um, And so I wanted to just go right into it again and talk now about uh, your first historical novel for young readers, uh, The Riddle of Pencroft Farm. So what differences have you encountered in your writing and published experiences with the bust from Lafayette and with The Riddle of Pencroft Farm? Have things changed over the years? Are they rather similar? Well, it's been a completely different experience apart from the actual sitting down and writing. Um, First of all, the internet has made a huge difference because when I wrote The Riddle of Pencroft Farm, I actually lived in Minneapolis and could go to the huge public library in downtown Minneapolis to do research. Uh, Then I moved to a rural part of New Hampshire. I live in a very small town in New Hampshire, and there really wasn't much here for for doing research. And then the internet came along. So that was very helpful. Uh, it also, um, it and I also started using computers uh, to do the composing, the editing, that whole thing, which was, I did actually have a computer on which I wrote The Riddle of Pencroft Farm, but it was a very primitive, very primitive thing called an Osborne. I think it's probably in a museum now. <laughs> anyway, uh, but also um, I... I use the internet to spread the word about my book. And uh, even though I'm in my early 70s, I've managed to learn how to do quite a lot. I have uh, an online platform that's quite uh, extensive, and I've had almost a quarter of a million hits on it so far. And, oh, and wow. my, my friends all think I'm a genius, and I say, well, no, I'm just barely scratching the surface. I know enough to know <laughs> that I don't know much, you know. Anyway, <laughs> but it also the other thing that was different is that because of the computer, I uh, and and because of the fact my son is actually a, a filmmaker and could tell me what to do for uh, uh, equipment and so forth, I was able to set up a home studio, recording studio, and make my own audio book. My publisher agreed that I could do it myself because I used to do a lot of acting. So it was fun. I just pretended I was reading to one of my kids or, you know, something like that. Um, And then uh, the other, this I I don't know if it really relates to that question, but uh, I, I decided... Uh, it turns out that the Riddle of Pencroft Farm has been used in schools all around the United States for almost 30 years. And, and it's, just, it's really fun because I, I, can, I sometimes make video visits to classrooms of kids who have had the story read to them. And it's just so much fun fun the things they ask me and and of course they ask me these questions and it's been so long since I wrote the book I have to takes me a little while to figure out <laughs> what the answer is but um but many people wrote teacher's guides for Riddle of Pancroft Farm and I decided that I could write a better teacher's guide than those people because I was more yeah. invested in the story <laughs> So I have a colleague, Sienna Larson, who also has been a teacher, and together we wrote a guide 
for using this in the classroom. Uh, it's available at Amazon and you know any bookstore, really. You can order it. It's just called the, A Bus from Lafayette Teacher's Guide. But it was really fun to put it together. And Sienna is a little more techie than I am, so she could figure out how to make, you know, mazes and puzzles and all kinds of stuff to put in to make to make the like the vocabulary exercises interesting and that kind of thing. So um, that's something I think I couldn't have done. I couldn't have done years ago. (laughs) I think that's amazing. A lot of the books we read in school generally are so, you know, they were published so long ago that the author is no longer alive and we can't really ask the author for input anymore. But, you know, and then we have teachers all around the nation having different interpretations of a book. And you're like, which teacher is right? And are the teachers right? Did the author really mean for it to mean that way? So I think it's amazing. I've always uh, subscribed to the idea that once the book is out there, people can interpret it their own way. And, Mm -hmm. um, and the characters, people are always, kids are always writing to me and saying, what happens next? What happens next? And I say, (laughs) Hey, you tell me, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I can't remember what, okay, there's a senior moment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know what I was going to tell you is that my nephew, whose name is Carlos, Carlos read the story, um, and, and when he was maybe fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that, he loved the story. And somehow he hadn't gotten the memo that his aunt had written the book. Oh my God. <laughs> is, this, is, this, is this author still living? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> she might be your aunt. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was pretty funny. Anyway. Everyone take a look at your family tree. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. think I might find out that Charles Dickens is my grandpa soon. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I was just sorry that I didn't realize when I was a little girl polishing off the Lauren Gulls Wilder stories that she was still living when I was reading them. And I, I've always regretted that I... I didn't know you could write to authors, you know, never occurred to me that I, I mean, she was like in the ether and I, and, and by the time I realized she was still alive, she, she wasn't anymore. So, but I love having a lots and lots of letters. I've had many letters and emails from, um, from kids and the one first thing they always say to me is how much they love the old-fashioned words I put in my books and I had to fight for those the, the uh hardcore race did not want me to put those in there but the kids really, really? Love them. so um oh shoot there was something else I wanted to say but oh well <laughs> I'm sure it'll come right back so yeah, both of my books have an old, an archaic word in the title, and riddle in the riddle of Pancraft Farm is actually uh, a, an antique farm implement that looks like a big sieve, and of course, a bus from Lafayette. A bus is a kiss, a kiss on the cheek or on the hand or whatever. And but the problem is that if you do a, a search on the internet for a bus from Lafayette. Even if you spell bus with two S's, the way it's supposed to be spelled. you a bus. <laughs> uh, even if you do that, uh, all you get are bus schedules. <laughs> and the only connection that has with my book is that most of those towns named Lafayette were named that because Lafayette came to America and did this tour. So 
it's a big circle, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, but, but Abbas Mafayette actually is very concerned with family and family dynamics and yeah. understanding each other and giving each other sort of slack. <laughs> uh, and, and that things are not always what you think they are. Because Clara starts out the story really having very negative ideas about her 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 stepmother and 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 she has a journey towards understanding which is very satisfying it was satisfying to write and people tell me it's very satisfying to read too too so. <laughs> one one of her biggest problems is her new stepmother how can the story not be a fam- about family <laughs> it's just exactly. yeah. perfect for today's show. well i thought there are many children out there living with step parents and don't quite know how to deal with it and um and I thought that was a, so that I thought that might appeal to, to kids today. The other thing was uh, that Clara has red hair. People are always teasing her, and she decides she hears about something called a simian's lead comb that's supposed to turn red hair black, and she's <laughs> convinced it's going to change her life. And and I think that is sort of a good jumping off point for families to talk about all of these products that are supposed to change the way you look and whether they work, whether you should do it, uh, you know, and, and what difference does it really make uh, what you look like on the outside in, in the long run? So, so anyway, yes, it is a very much a family story. Yeah. I, that's something that kids are always looking to read things about family because it's something that all of us can relate to having family problems or you know enjoying family but unfortunately we are running out of time today thank you so much Dorothea this has been an amazing conversation well thank you for calling me (laughs) thank you for being here you know it was really fun to learn about where you got these ideas and what you've done with your writings and your works and everything that you've done with in the past few years with regards to, you know, creating a teacher's guide or just, you know, the teacher's guide came out like three days ago. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's going to be a game changer for a lot of schools, I think. But um, yeah, yeah. I think put it together with the audio book and the print book. I mean, I think it, it's going to be a nice package for a a no brainer (laughs) history. Bringing history to life without having to think about it too much. <laughs> right. Again, thank you so much. Make sure to learn more about Dorothea and her work at www.dorotheajensen.com and at www.abusfromlafayette.com. Audience, during the break, be sure to check out our 501c3 literacy and positive media charity at bethestoryour.org. I'm Katie Chu. And I'm Jovan Hundel. Be sure to also visit www.expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. And when we come back, we will be returning to our discussion on the gift of family. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. 
The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Jovan Hondo on Express Yourself, and today's hour is all about the gift of family. And I'm Katie Chu. We're finishing off today's amazing show with another story about family, one that'll really just touch your heart. This one is written by our very own amazing host and reporter, Brigitte Gia, who sadly could not be here today. So to set the tone, we have a preamble to the story that she wrote that begins to dive straight into really what we consider the heart of family. So we'll just jump right in. When you love someone, you'll do anything and everything to make them happy. You'll sacrifice your pride, your respectability, your morals. You'll throw yourself into the depths of hell for them. Although I haven't yet experienced anything of the sort towards a significant other, I feel the same way towards my family. My parents sacrificed a life of immediate wealth and stability to raise me in North America. They learned English in three weeks, packed their bags, and left with educational degrees that turned out to be worth little in in a Vancouver suburb with a different civil engineering code for my dad and financial system affecting my mom's career altogether. They've done everything they can to ensure that I get the best life and the best education. When my dad was working towards a master's in computer science, he resorted to chopping oranges in the back of a restaurant to make ends meet. My mom stayed up without resting, with a 102 degree fever to help me study for a placement test that would put me in an accelerated class. In short, there's no lengths they wouldn't go to for my success. So I want to be successful for them, no matter what it takes. Every time I express this thought to a peer, I met with comments along the lines of, you're insane, or you'll have to break free of your parents. Well, someday, you know. But to me, there is nothing I can ever do to repay my parents for the sacrifices they've made to get me where I am. To be absolutely honest, I don't mind if I'm coughing up blood and exhaustion by the end of senior year and my efforts to go somewhere they'll be proud of, because they've done the same for me. But sometimes you don't see eye to eye to others, even if they're the ones closest to you. I'm excited about potentially going into humanities and or social sciences in college. I enjoy science, but I've always been much more interested in the literary side of things. But as a student striving to reach the top, I've enrolled in numerous high-level science classes. And because students enrolled in certain STEM majors are are ensured job security almost immediately after undergraduate and graduate school, my friends and family have hinted several times at my choosing that specific path. Personally, though, I know that I would suffer as a chemist or a cubicle dweller. I want to go out into the world and explore to the tips of every continent. And how can I possibly hope to do that with a three-day paid leave? An exaggeration, of course, but only by a little. I've always wanted to make my career in a field like ancient history or international relations since childhood. And I don't see any happiness in choosing money over my dreams. I might be a lunatic who should consider an actual livelihood. but I refuse to give up on my search for a career I'll find long, lifelong joy in. 
So, as a daughter, I want to accept and strive to achieve my parents' wishes for me in life. But I also have a desire to become free and independent. And these two driving forces in my life are always at odds with each other. I'm no longer sure of what I should do with my life. Namely, I don't know whether I should choose whether to choose a life career for my parents or for myself. My heart and popular opinion have both decided on the latter. But disregarding my parents after they have sacrificed so much to give me a better life is out of the question for me. They broke their backs to place me into this world. Shouldn't they have a say in where it's headed? My personal interests and my parents are so far from one another that I might as well be choosing between the North and South Poles. I have switched between the two life paths so often that I'm no longer certain of the right one for me. And that uncertainty is reflected in the following short story. This piece, titled Like a Plucked Chicken, was written during a rather harsh period of Brigitte's life. It was submitted to and published by the Blue Marble Review Literary Magazine in 2016 under the pseudonym B. Jang due to the personal subject matter. There's nothing better in your eyes, nothing better in the world, than an hour of twirling to music in your room. Alone, nothing to worry about, no motives or pressures, you dance for the sake of dancing and nothing else matters. You deep cleaned your room a year or two ago, so you have enough space and a visible dance floor. And you're happy in that hour, voices and beats washing over you like waves of sand. But you have to be quiet about it, because your parents might find you kicking in a circle like a plucked chicken in your room. You're not sure what to make of your parents. Sometimes they love you, and sometimes they hate you. And you don't do drugs or drink alcohol or shoplift, so you assume that they're at least marginally proud of you. But you can never be sure. Maybe they think you're crazy. You definitely know that they still think of you as a kid, but they like to ask you whether you'll major in biomedical engineering, and no one asks a kid those kinds of questions. When you were small, your mother fed you amenics and math books like tax returns into a paper shutter. She told you it'll make you smarter, but you struggle to earn A-minuses at each semester's end. She said you're a prodigy, honey, but a prodigy has to live up to her parents' standards, and parents want more than a daughter who receives A-minuses. They want a 100-pound model with Einstein's brains, and you are only a pig with fecal matter for a mind. The state of your room back then proved your state of being. You lived in a pigsty, your dad told you. So you gritted your teeth and pulled some heavy-duty garbage bags from the kitchen cabinet. But you still felt like a pig afterwards, fat and lumbering, slobbery and idiotic. Your mother would be angry at you if you threw away the family scale, because she says it reminds you that you need to lose weight. Your thighs are gargantuan, and your arms rival that of an alpha gorillas. She tells you to play a sport, so you sign up for track and field in the spring. But who told you to weightlift? Pick up more feminine sport. Why are your friends so stupid? Pick better ones. It is not enough now that your friends don't smoke marijuana. She jokingly asks for their transcripts, and you laugh, empty. In eighth grade, you had a boyfriend for three months. It was puppy love, nothing serious. You tell yourself that it wouldn't have lasted much longer anyway. You told him that he was too good for you, but your mother thought you were too good for him. She drove him home once, and when you got home, she turned and told you that she'd already figured out his character. You dumped him the day after Valentine's Day. You avoid him in the halls, and he doesn't talk to you anymore. But your mother is happy, and that is what matters. You aren't good enough for her, but you're too good for him. Your parents' expectations are taller than the stratosphere, and yet you can't fill your kin, no matter how inadequate you are. You're just going to have to shed more pounds, read more books, study with more fervor. You love your parents, and you'll fulfill their wishes if it kills you. 
Classical music makes you smarter, said a health expert in a video your mother forwarded to you. Her second text read, so do it. You listen to Mozart and Dvorak until your brain bleeds key changes. Classical music will get you to an Ivy League, she says, so you replace your Fallout Boy playlist with Beethoven. The best way to lose weight is dancing in your room, your mother said. You'll be having fun and shedding pounds. So now you twirl to a playlist to shed pounds, and you twirl to classical music. Wow, I thought that was a beautiful piece. You know, even if, you know, not all of us might share the exact same experiences that Brigitte was talking about, there are a lot of shared quandaries, whether it's with our parents, with ourselves, that we all kind of have to go through. And I think Brigitte did an amazing job of summing those up and giving her own take on them. I definitely agree. You know, something I was really surprised to learn recently was we have this girl at my school and everyone knows she's going to be valedictorian. She's you know, the most amazing student. She's always in charge of everything and she's just so responsible. So we all figured, wow, her mother must be so proud of her. But one day someone goes to her house for, you know, just to hang out with her and they come back and they go, you know what? I don't think her parents know about everything she does for the school and everything that we see her as. And I was just surprised to hear that. It's just, you know, everyone has their relationships with their parents and it's all different for us. And we don't know, you know, how much, how our parents think of us or how people, other people's parents think of them. Yeah, you made some really good points there. And so thank you so much, Katie, for an awesome conversation and for also such an awesome show today. With that, however, it is sadly time to say farewell. We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Katie Chu. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, love your family, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine between the lines if you would let yourself.